Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and our Seattle Seahawks are going into the playoffs. They go in as the number five seed, and they're taking on the NFC East winning Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, they're going to have to do it again on the road, but our Seahawks are 7-1, and one, and here to talk about it, Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation. We talked a few weeks back. Things going a little bit differently for each of our teams. You guys close out the season with a 4-0 record against your NFC East rivals uh, for, you know, four wins over a four-game stretch. The Seahawks lose three games to their division rivals. And here we are facing each other in the playoffs. Yeah, and the injuries continue to rack up for the Eagles, but somehow the wins keep coming. The injuries are coming for the Seattle Seahawks, but the losses are coming. Either way, you know, you ended the playoffs with Russell Wilson. It's the ultimate X factor. Right. You know, the, the the guy that would have been MVP if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. So, you know, it, it's it's going to be very, very fun between uh, two teams that have, like you said, been heading in very different directions since the last time we met. Well, Russell Wilson kind of regained a little bit of of that MVP type form in the second half against the 49ers, nearly had four touchdowns to close out that second half. But I look over at Carson Wentz and he really struggled in that game against the Seahawks. But now kind of going down these last few weeks of the season, it seems like maybe he's turned things around a little bit. Yeah, you you look at him over the last four weeks and even the five weeks because I mean the the Miami game that was that was on the defense they scored over thirty points on the on the Dolphins and the Dolphins don't have a great defense but you know that game wasn't on Carson Wentz but still just the last four games Carson Wentz has really made it his team you're talking comeback wins you know tough tough road wins you're talking you know just having these guys around him that he didn't even know the week before like Deontay Burnett and Robert Davis and guys like that making plays for him Greg Greg Ward Jr. making plays for him to the to the point where we're looking at him as a possible guy you bring back as maybe a starting slot wide receiver next year so it's not just Carson it's it's the key performances he's getting from guys like Boston Scott and all these unknowns around him but he has really done well to to make it his team be that leader and and I was talking with with Mark Schofield, who we, we talk about quarterback play a lot and we preview each quarterback going through the week and we give a performance review of Wentz. And I was thinking, you know, Wentz from week one to week six from an execution standpoint, if you're just looking at what's happening on the football field, I would take that stretch of performance versus the stretch from like week 13 to week 17 and, and very easily so. But there's all these other factors going on with Wentz right now with the supporting cast around him that makes what he's done so much more special. And they needed every single one of those four wins to punch their playoff ticket. So you can't overstate, you know, the importance and and the craziness of what he's done with a supporting cast that just continues to melt around him. But some of that supporting cast is coming back. It sounds, you know, Jordan Howard, he got like a token one carry in the last game. (laughs) And I I don't know what necessarily is going to happen with Miles Sanders going to this game. But, you know, you brought up Boston Scott. I feel like Jordan Howard, Boston Scott. If, even if it's those two guys and mix in even a little Darren Sproles ahead of his retirement, you know, that that's a good mix of guys there. But it is the receivers you, you kind of have to worry about because I mean, Zach Ertz, is he going to play in this game? And, and right. still, you know, receivers, I think a lot of Eagles fans are hoping, you know, just get us one more week and Deshaun Jackson's going to be back. Right. And Deshaun Jackson would totally change the dynamic of this offense if he's back and he's healthy and he can take significant snaps. I mean, once his best game was week one, like clearly week one when they had Deshaun Jackson. And since then, they had struggled to kind of get those downfield shots. Now, 
Doug Peterson has done a fantastic job, not only in rallying the troops and having his message resonate and getting better play out of these guys. And I really like the offensive design in the last four weeks because I felt there were some struggles there in week 11, week 12, Patriots game, Seahawks game, so on and so forth. And this is the third year in a row where Doug has faced, you know, really long odds first, you know, with Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl, then the next year they have like a 0.01 chance to make the playoffs and they do that. And now this year when they need four straight wins and they get into the playoffs, you're like, all right, but there's still some limitations with this team that you worry about going into the playoffs. You touched on it with the wide receivers, this team right now. And on money downs against the giants, they were four for 13. And a lot of them were third and long fourth and long. The reason being, when you watch the film, they really struggle to separate. This is not a team that can survive long down and distances when it comes to third and fourth down. They have to have early down success. Now, the plus side to that is the Seahawks have been a pretty bad first and second down team. So you hope that maybe they bring that third down play menu into the first down play menu and go a little pass heavy with some of that stuff and take advantage of that because they're going to have to win those early downs. They can not survive trying to have these receivers separate you know on third and ten it's just not going to happen for them and the other ways they've been able to combat that you know they've gotten once more on the move now we're calling it let the bronco buck here in philadelphia getting Wentz on the move using his legs to give him more time into space allow him to survey the field pick his shots and allow these receivers who struggle to separate to get more time to separate. Cause you can, you can cover them in 2.5 seconds. That's not the problem when you have to cover them for five seconds, for six seconds, you know, watching Russell Wilson for all these years, oh, yeah. it makes it that much harder on the defense to be able to cover them. And I think that's where the Eagles need to find their success. Well, and now with the Eagles going up against the Seahawks defense that finished the season with 28 sacks. And I know yes, sacks are indicative of pressure, but in this case it is indicative of pressure. They're just not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. But again, going back to injury too, you know, you lose your big pro bowler on the offensive line. You know, what kind of hit is that going to mean for the team? Uh, it's it's massive. And, you know, hopefully, because we don't know if we're going to get the, the the other guy back. He wasn't a pro bowler this year. I think he was last year. Uh, Lane Johnson out with the high ankle sprain. And even if he's back in, you know, he might have some limited effectiveness. So if he goes, then they're going to have to kick in Halapuli Vati Vaitai from right tackle to right guard, which they've done before. They survived that way when Brooks missed a game earlier in the season. And, and Big V played OK there. So that's not so bad. But if Lane Johnson can't go, then you've got Vaitai at right tackle, who was a sieve and then you've got at right guard Matt Pryor who I mean the guy is pretty much a practice squad guy if, if we're being honest so that could that could lead to some struggles for them but like you said the Seahawks aren't getting much in the way of pass rush so if the Eagles can do things to help Vitae can the Seahawks get there and if they can't get there and you're giving once that kind of time and a guy who can create outside of structure and extend things with his legs then that might be trouble for the uh the Seahawks defense and like I was looking at uh the preview on like uh the pro football reference and I was looking at they've, they've got this section that says Philadelphia Eagles current injuries and it's like all these guys on IR and all these questionable guys and so on and so forth and I scrolled down because like the Eagles are pretty well known as like one of the most banged up teams in the NFL. And then I scroll down to the Seattle Seahawks current injuries and the list is even longer. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on yeah. here? Because, I mean, you guys are banged up. And then you look at, you know, can they survive if, if Condre Diggs can't go and stuff like that? So, I mean, injuries have hit both of these teams hard and it's like it changing realities each week. Whoever can adjust will come out on top on this one. Yeah, and when you look at, there's a site out there that measures injury games missed. 
And mm-hmm. I think the Seahawks are number two in the NFL. Yep. And you look at the the bottom five teams, and I think they're combined for like 13 wins if you take out the Seahawks. <laughs> so it's, you know, they're not in a good spot. But going into this game, you, you bring up Quandre Diggs. That, to me, he has been the key on defense for this team. This defense looks completely different. We saw the Seahawks play so well against the 49ers in week 10 when Quandre Diggs, you know, made his, I think it was his first starting appearance on the field. And, you know, he's been fighting a hamstring injury, hasn't been quite right. And he could be back in this game. He's probable. So that could make a big difference on the defense. I'm hoping that's the case. And I, I just feel like there's a lot of hope going into this game, probably for both teams. Yeah. And Diggs was a guy I remember talking with you about because I had watched Diggs in preparation for the Lions game before he was traded with the Eagles. That was mm-hmm. like week three. I was like, wow, Diggs is really playing well. And then they traded him. I'm like, why, why the heck would they trade him? <laughs> he comes to Seattle. And I tell you, he was a guy I'm looking at. And he's been an absolute baller for them. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a, a key guy being down. I mean, the Eagles are dealing with that, too. Ronald Darby went down in the secondary, although he wasn't playing that well. They've had all types of it. It's been a revolving door, not only at the wide receiver position, but the cornerback position for the Eagles, trying to find an outside combination that works for them. I think they're getting back Jalen Mills this week, too. So it's just it's just really just like, okay, who's the guy playing at this spot this week continually for both teams? And, you know, you mentioned the Seahawks being so beat up. The Eagles last year, they were 31st in adjusted games loss. They were the most banged up team since football outsiders started tracking that stat. The most banged up team in history to win a playoff game. It is rare. It is hard and it's hard on a coaching staff. The Eagles, you know, you hate to say, fortunately, they've had experience with it, but they have dealt with this for the past two years and, and I think are well equipped uh, to be able to, to handle those new realities on the battlefield as guys continue to drop light flies. Like, I don't think this is the end for the Eagles. I think Carson Wentz, you know, he is the Highlander. He's healthy so that everyone else could die. Like, that's like one of those things. So they're going to have to they're going to have to figure a way. So the Seahawks. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how each team adjusts to those banged up uh, portions of their roster. Looking forward to it. And we're going to talk more about it coming up next. Brandon Schultz here of Field Goals, joined by Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation. And, you know, we're kind of talking about the injuries, but I'm also kind of curious about your confidence going into this game because <laughs> I mentioned it off the top of the show. You guys close out December with that 4-0 stretch against your divisional opponents. But I also think, you know, I go back to our conversation before when the Seahawks and Eagles were facing. We were talking about that stretch as as that being critical. And plus, you throw in the Dolphins. And I think you looked at that last stretch of five games as, hey, the Eagles could even run the table here. And Mm. that was their key to the playoffs. Now, they lose that game to the Dolphins. Maybe that's not that bad of a loss when you see the Dolphins beat the Patriots uh, in Week 17. (laughs) Maybe you look at that now and go, hey, hey, how about that? How how is your confidence level now going, knowing that you got through teams that you pretty much expected to beat outside of Mm. a Cowboys team that was, you know, week to week, you never knew what to expect? Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially with the Dolphins, because the Dolphins from the first eight weeks was definitely not the Dolphins from the last eight weeks. And credit to head coach Brian Flores for doing a fantastic job there. Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing good ball. Uh, The outside corners, the the weakness for the Eagles was absolutely exposed against Devontae Parker and, you know, even Mike Gusecki, Moss, Jalen Mills and whatnot. And that that was a really uh, interesting game. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, but you're right. I mean, it does impact your confidence because no matter what, you, you took the loss. And as much as we talk about in a 
positive light these wins against the Giants. Number one, one of the games was against Eli Manning or the ghost of Eli Manning. Uh, number two, these aren't good teams. Like they needed late game heroics against the Dwayne Haskins led, you know, Washington team. They needed all these close game wins. Now the Dallas game was a little bit different and they still almost let them back into it. But Dallas isn't a very good team either. Like the NFC East was bad this year. So being nine and seven, you know, I don't think it's too reflective of how well the Eagles have played this year. They probably played more like a seven and nine team. So I'm not extremely confident, but however, I do feel that the Eagles team has been here before and they are confident in what they're able to accomplish when the chips are down. It's cliched at this point with the Eagles because the whole underdog thing, you know, they had in the run up to the Super Bowl and everything like that. But I think that does matter. Having those guys in the building that have been there before, done it before, that has experienced this kind of doubt from people around them and being able to, to push through it. And really, you know, Doug Peterson with his messaging, like I talked about before, is big. That said, I don't know how a team that is starting like Greg Ward Jr. that is starting, you know, giving significant reps to Robert Davis and Deontay Burnett and not having Zach Ertz who lacerated his kidney and, and all these different injuries. It's hard for me to look at this team and go, yeah, they're a real threat. Like, yeah, it's good that your quarterback is playing well and it gives you a chance at a lot of games, but like, I don't know. Are you always going to get these unlikely heroes giving these unlikely performances? Are you going to get three Boston Scott touchdowns to elevate you over, over the Seattle Seahawks? I don't know. So it's tough, man. Like I feel like the Eagles right now are playing with house money. That's about where I'm at. And I, I want the Seahawks to feel that way too, you know, and I, I feel like that's the best way to, to get the most out of your team. And you brought up the underdog factor here. Here the Eagles are again, a point and a half underdog. And, you know, in some instances, I think they started out as the favorite going to this yeah. game, but that shifted. And they were all set at home. So Vegas is like, we'll give you three points. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, yeah, the, the fact that it's a point and a half now in the Seahawks favor, it's it's definitely <laughs> shifted. So how much are Eagles fans counting on this underdog factor to kind of motivate this team? Is that something that that Coach Peterson just he is going to hammer? Yeah, I mean, he he eats that stuff up and the team eats it up, too. And I think that does have a big role to play with it. And and having it be Wentz this time around to pull them, you know, from the edge of the abyss is huge because they hadn't done it with Wentz before. It was with Foles both times before that. So we didn't know how that was going to go. Now, Wentz has shown that, you know, he is that leader. And like I said, I preferred his early season stretch from an execution standpoint, from a late season standpoint, what he's been able to do and answer all those leadership questions that have been dogging him for years in Philadelphia and put all that to bed has been huge. So I think there is, you know, they're on the the uptick when it comes to that, the confidence that they have in Wentz and what, what they can accomplish. But again, I mean, it just, it, it's just, sometimes it just, you're too beat up. You lose Brandon Brooks. Brandon Brooks was the best player on the Philadelphia Eagles in 2019. And there wasn't a question. So you lose that and you're like, come on, man. And then, you know, Miles Sanders starts to, starts to really ball out. Now he's dealing with a low grade ankle sprain. So it's just like, at what point, when the hits just keep on coming and coming and coming is just like it's 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 too much for a team to survive in the playoffs. Now, all of this said, just for this game specifically, I think with the Seahawks, you already look at an Eagles team that I think was fortunate on defense to hold them to as many points as they did because Russell Wilson missed some throws and there was a drop in the end zone and all that stuff, right. but still close game. And the Seattle Seahawks tend to be in close games, no matter who the competition is. So I think at the very least, I'm confident that it can come down to the last five minutes of the game. And at that point, the NFL, 
anything can happen. Any weird manner of things can happen, and you've got yourself a chance to win. So that's what I'm confident in. I don't, I'm not confident that the Eagles are going to win the game, but I'm right. confident that they're going to get some sort of chance at the end. And, you know, as a as a Seahawks fan, it's kind of frustrating to go after that week after week. But at the same time, too, you get used <laughs> to seeing your team succeed in those types of situations. I'm yeah. watching the end of that 49ers game and I'm going, OK, well, this is just how we're going to win the game this week because they've done it so many times before. And so that, that's kind of fun. But then when they fail, it, it is a little bit of a bummer. I, I do wonder how differently this game is going to go, though, because with, again, going back to injuries, Rashad Penny was such a big part of that game against the Eagles early on. He put up over 100 yards rushing against a team that just does not allow 100-yard rushers. I mean, the Eagles are third in the league, allowing 90 yards per game against the run. And I feel like it's a a pass defense that's improved since last time I talked to you because I I felt like we were talking about them being down in in the bottom 20s, and now they're in the top 20. Yeah, and you're getting improved play from Avante Maddox. You're getting Sidney Jones come in cold off the bench, has made three gigantic plays for them throughout the season uh, as a closer, essentially. As guys go down, he comes in completely cold and ends up making a play every time. It's it's wild. I mean, they had the same thing with Craig James earlier in the season in the Packers when they're getting really weird production from these guys. You look at like the quarterback rating allowed for these quarterbacks, and it's in reverse of what the depth chart is. It's, it's so <laughs> bizarre, and I think what can help the Eagles from a coverage standpoint is is the Seahawks are having a lot of trouble protecting Russell Wilson. I know Russell holds on to the ball and he wants to make plays and everything like that. That's part of like his game. And I would never want to change that about Russ. But Russ does hold on to the ball too long. And then when the offensive line is struggling, they're dealing with injuries as well with Dwayne, Dwayne Brown and so on and so forth. It exacerbates that, that those issues. And you saw against Arizona, they had trouble picking up stunts against Arizona. Stunts are something that the Eagles have used more and more. I would expect the Eagles to use Malcolm Jenkins in a similar role that you got with from him in week two when he sacked Russell Wilson twice, you know, being that green dog to where if, you know, the, the running back stays in the block, then Jenkins could come in. Or if the running back releases to the right or left, the guy on the right or left can come or cover things of that nature to try to contain Russell Wilson, not necessarily traditionally blitz him like you would because he can carve you up that way, but find a unique and creative way to attack him behind the line of scrimmage and close down some of those escape lanes that he has. So I think the Eagles definitely have the advantage in the trenches but when I look at Russell Wilson, it's just a matter of not not being killed by him. Like you're not going to stop him. You're not going to stop Russell Wilson for four quarters. It's a matter of not like dying the entire way. It'll be interesting to see the way that the Eagles attack him, whether they go blitz heavy or they go coverage, because you either want to die by a thousand cuts from Russell Wilson or you want to die by a few big plays. And the Eagles have busted a lot in the secondary and had a lot of issues there that they've been saved by because of poor throws or whatever the case may be that I'm still concerned about it. And again, it is Russell Wilson. He's been in this situation before. You can't count him out. And when it comes down to the last five minutes of the game, I want the ball in Russell Wilson's hand, like if I had to choose, because he's been there, done that. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Eagles treat him from a defensive perspective. Well, and he does have that criticism of holding on to the football too long. But we see some of those amazing plays that happens when he does hold on to the football too long. So it's, you know, as a fan, you you get frustrated by it when he takes a sack after, you know, holding on to the ball for six seconds. But yeah. on, the, on the other hand, you have some amazing plays that you look at and you go, holy smokes, you know, he's the only guy in the NFL that can do some of those things. Right.
exactly. And, and it, I mean, I call him a magic man. That that's, that's what he is. So you take the good with the bad because the good is so, so darn good. So like I said, I mean, Russ is a joy to watch. I just hope that Carson can play on a, on a, on a high level and keep his team in it because the Seahawks will let you stay in it and, until they decide to go all super saiyan, which is so weird, man. Just the thing I cannot figure out about the Seahawks. They're, they're, they're a doggone good football team. And even though they're banged up now, like I just don't understand them letting teams hang around as much as they do. I mean, they, they let the Bengals hang around earlier on in the season. So, I mean, I have hope in that regard, but at the same time, when it, when it's go time when the game's on the line, Russ is the guy, Russ is the guy to watch. The only thing I can think of at this point is that Pete Carroll loves it. And, and that's, right. <laughs> and he just plays for that. So I, yeah. it's, and again, I, it's frustrating, but uh, you know, it's, it does make for some fun moments. And, you know, I think we're going to have some fun moments in this game. We have two great quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, you know, the Last time the Eagles got a win over the Seahawks, it was uh, two pretty legendary quarterbacks in each franchise. Do you know which two quarterbacks were playing in that game the last time the Eagles won at home in Philly? So I know that the last five games have gone to the Seahawks, and I know I, I think they've won maybe what seven out of the last nine, something like that. God, man, it would have to go. Wouldn't it have to go way back to like two thousand? Is it Donovan McNabb? Was it McNabb? You got to go back farther. <laughs> got to go back farther? Well, oh, geez. I think, I think McNabb is, won in Seattle, but not in okay, Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. Not in Philadelphia. Wow. Oh, wow. Going away. Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham and Dave Craig in 1989. <laughs> and wow. two Hall of Fame receivers on, the, on each of those teams. Steve Largent caught a touchdown and Chris Carter caught Chris a touchdown Carter. for the Eagles. <laughs> As he does his catch touchdowns. I mean, that's why they got rid of him, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. That that that's wild. So hopefully the Eagles, because uh, now now that I've got it all the way pulled up here, Seattle Seahawks lead the all time series ten to seven. They've yeah. been they've been kicking some butt with five straight. That's wild. Five so straight. the Eagles so need to, Pete yeah. Carroll has never lost to the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, Russ has killed him the entire time. You can see why I have so much respect for the guy because every time we, we play him, he, you know, he, he kicks their butts. But, you know, at, at kind of all these streaks have to come to an end at some point. Uh, you you got to figure. And, and history is not uh, always a predictor of, of all future games. So yeah, it's, they're due. <laughs> I am a little bit worried that they're due, Michael. <laughs> how, do, how do you feel like uh, if, if the Seahawks can pull this one against, uh, out against the Eagles? Yeah. What is your respect level of the Eagles where you're like, I feel a lot better about the Seahawks chances going going into this thing. Does it change at all? I don't know if it does change at all just because of the fact that you talk about all those last second wins. You know, it would have to change if the Seahawks go in and put up some kind of dominant type performance, you know, win by two, three touchdowns, which would, you know, just I think make me feel weird considering the way this the season has gone. But mm. I do feel like I, I want that revenge game now against San Francisco, you know, two great games against the 49ers this season, the opportunity to go into their house in the divisional round, take them on as the number one seed, and then eventually lose to the saints in the, in the NFC championship. That, that feels, that feels fine to me. So you mentioned those teams and I'm like, man, the Eagles are screwed if they win this game. Like I, <laughs> I, I would give them almost zero chance of beating the 49ers or the Saints. Like just if you look at it like rationally, you have no way to explain why the Eagles would would, would do that. But I mean, the Eagles 
won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. So like we're already <laughs> through the looking glass. Anything can happen, man. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about the playoffs, right? And and so both of our teams, I feel like, are in that situation. Like you, you're just you're happy that they're in the playoffs. You know that anything can happen. Shoot, Eli Manning went to the Super Bowl and and beat an undefeated Patriots team. So th- right. there's always once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. There's there's precedent there. There's there's three teams that were nine and seven that have gone to the Super Bowl. Uh, it, it was the I think believe it was the 1978 Los Angeles Rams. They lost to the Steelers. It was the 2008 Arizona Cardinals also lost to the Steelers. And then the 2011 New York Giants were nine and seven, went on the road and then beat the Patriots. So there is precedent there. It has happened. And if Eli Manning can do it. You could probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> and Carson Wentz or, or Russell Wilson could definitely right. do it. I, and I could see it with the Eagles finishing nine and seven. You're, you're definitely dialed into that nine and seven number. I like that. So, uh, Michael, really want to thank you for coming back on the show, helping preview this game coming up against the Eagles and Seahawks. And uh, best of luck to you on Sunday. You as well, man. It was a pleasure being able to do this uh, twice in the year with you. Always have a good time. Good luck to the Seahawks. Once again, I want to thank Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation for coming back on the show, helping preview this matchup coming up on Sunday. And I know we talked a lot about injuries in this show, so let's bounce on over to the injury report and look at Wednesday and Thursday. For the Seahawks, tackle Dwayne Brown, wide receiver Jerron Brown, guard Mikey Potty, wide receiver Malik Turner, defensive end Jadevian Clowney, and linebacker Michael Kendricks all sat out of practice on Wednesday and Thursday. Joey Hunt, who sat out of practice on Wednesday, he moved up. He was a limited participant. He's dealing with a fibula injury. Phil Haynes also showing up as a limited participant in practice. The backup guard has a head injury, so that may have been sustained in practice on Wednesday since he did not show up on the injury report on Wednesday. Good news for the Seahawks, Quandre Diggs. He was a limited participant on Wednesday, but a full participant on Thursday. So we can expect, unless there's any setbacks, at Quandre Diggs and his ankle injury, he will be ready to go for this game against the Eagles. Luke Wilson dealing with a hip injury. He was a full participant in practice both days, so expect him to play, barring any setbacks as well. The names we're going to be watching, Dwayne Brown, expect him to be out another week. Jerron Brown probably going to be out another week as well. Malik Turner dealing with a concussion. He will probably be out against the Eagles And Pete Carroll said we can expect Michael Kendrick's season to be over, so he will be on the injury report until he was moved over to injured reserve. That leaves us with Mike Upati, guard dealing with a neck injury, Jadevian Clowney, his core injury, and with both of them not participating on Wednesday or Thursday, we'll have to see on Friday how they practice and how that affects their status. Tune into fieldgoals.com. I'm sure we'll have the updates there late in the day and see if they are ruled as questionable, doubtful, or maybe even out for the game. Looking at the Eagles, Nelson Aguilar and Miles Sanders, those two did not participate in practice either day on Wednesday and Thursday for the Eagles, so I don't believe Aguilar was playing when these two teams first faced off. But Miles Sanders, the team's leading rusher, we heard from Michael how important he's been to the team, and so we're going to be watching to see if he can or can't go on Sunday. Some big names listed as limited participants for both days. Defensive end Derek Barnett with an angle injury. Defensive tackle Fletcher Cox with a triceps injury. Tight end Zach Ertz, ribs and back injury. And tackle Lane Johnson dealing with an ankle injury. But you have to expect that if they are limited, they are going to be wanting to play in this first round of the playoffs. So, again, check out fieldgoals.com. More info there going into Sunday's game. Be sure and subscribe to this show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. And we will be back after Sunday's game 
to recap the action right here. We'll talk to you then. Go Hawks!